Hello and welcome to the My First Five Years podcast. I'm Alistair Bryce Clegg. And I'm Jenny Johnson. We're early as experts and the founders of My First Five Years, an activities and child development app for parents. And this is the podcast that will help you find the joy in parenting and ditch some of that guilt and worry. Yep, let's get rid of that anxiety and have much more fun. So here's a scenario for you. You've packed your bags, you've checked in online, you're dreaming literally of pina coladas on the beach, and then you're thinking, crikey, well, A, why did we have kids? But B, why did we bring them on holiday? (laughs) So yeah, this week we're going to be chatting about traveling with children, which is not always the easiest thing to do. And I'm sure many of us have sometimes avoided long journeys with children after experiencing that kind of whining, weeing, and vomiting that can often happen. You're painting a beautiful picture here. (laughs) It's a realistic picture. Uh, we'll chat through some of the challenges that we all face, like you know, what do you pack, handling airplane travel if you're going to do that, long trips, long haul flights, or even just getting in and out of the car. And then when you get to where you're going and it's all really novel for your children, how do you get them to sleep? How do you get rid of all that excitement? So we're going to give you loads of hints and tips on how to handle those situations. Gosh, Alistair, you've made that sound like a complete nightmare. Sorry. <laughs> Everybody that's listening now is going to be thinking, right, cancel that holiday. It can be done, it can be done. But actually, it can be done. With a bit of preparation, we can take some of the sting out of uh, some of the things that can go wrong on a holiday. Alistair, should we start by exploring why travelling with children can be a challenge and then follow up with some tips for getting ready for that trip away? Yeah, and I think what you've got to remember is for an under five, they're not likely to have been on loads and loads of holidays, so it's not a really regular occurrence. Mm And when they do go, it's been a long time since they were last there in their little world, even if it's not, even if it's only a matter of weeks. So for them, going on holiday can be really exciting because we tend to be excited about it and it means a change in routine and we talk about it a lot and there's lots of preparation that goes into it. Mm-hmm. But it also can be quite nerve wracking and it can impact on things like their eating and their sleep. I remember particularly our eldest who was a brilliant sleeper at home, was a terrible sleeper when we went on holiday. And it used to take him three or four days just to get into the swing of where we were, you know, the spaces that we were in and where he was going to sleep. So we'll talk about things you can do that don't lessen that excitement, but help to keep it in context. And also little hints and tips, even things like taking, we used to take his, when I say dirty bedding, I don't mean like filthy dirty, (laughs) but we used to take sheets off his bed and when he was really young, off his cot, and take a used sheet with us, or the one that we sleep on at the time. Ah, so right, when you okay. make the bed at the yeah. place where you're going, mm-hmm. or the travel cot, it smells of them and it smells of home. So oh. little things where just that reassurance, because they're in a different place, they don't quite know where you are in terms of geography, the routines are different. So anything you can do to make it feel more like home around routines like sleep mm-hmm. are really useful and usually really impactful. I think as well that special teddy if they've got one or that special thing that they take to bed. I know even at 21 my middle (laughs) child still brings what we call Mr Monk Monk (laughs) away and I remember once we were going to Wales and we got about three or four miles down into the journey she's like I forgot Monk Monk and we actually went back she was 21. (laughs) She'll kill me for sharing that story but it is true. Yeah we had a kangaroo called Joanne for my youngest child and we're never quite sure where the kangaroo came from or why she was called Joanne. But Joanne <laughs> has travelled the world 
Nice. Yeah. So I think anything like that that brings that element of security. Mm -hmm. And the other thing you can do is obviously to talk to children about the fact that you're going on holiday, especially if it's something like their first flight or you're going abroad or it's a long journey. The more you can talk about it and make it sound familiar as well as exciting is good, even down to playing aeroplanes where you line up the dining room chairs and you all sit on and somebody does the safety demonstration, talking to them about the fact that it's very noisy when it takes off, talking to them about the fact that the plane rattles a little bit and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And of course you'd couch all of that in parent-friendly language, but the more prepared they are for what's going to happen, then the better adjusted they are to it happening. You're painting a picture there of a family that's really excited to go on holiday and everybody's all sort of smiley and happy about it but I have to say some of the reality is I always work full time I've never got the washing done (laughs) so it's a lot of stress (laughs) a lot of stress I think there's a lot of stress involved anyway in going on holiday even if there aren't children because we were always packing on the last minute I get really crazy then about where are the passports and checking the passports numerous times in the taxi on the way there numerous times in the airport I think I do go a little bit neurotic and the kids actually say to me now as two of my kids are adults they're like right mum if you're going on holiday can you just wind your neck in and just be calm (laughs) so I do think we sometimes pass our anxieties or our fears because the other thing I massively regret is I know for a fact I pass my fear of flying onto my children and that's such Mm. a shit I should have done better I should have known better and I think there are things that you know you painted this picture of these happy parents that can't wait to go on holiday but there will be some (laughs) but maybe I was the other extreme of holidays being something I loved once I got there but actually the lead up to packing and getting ready to go was quite a challenge yeah that's about how we organise ourselves as adults as well isn't it and not passing those anxieties on I think that's my my learning that I look back on yeah and when we're going to be realistic parents I think we've got to say that yes you know there will be some stress in terms of organizing a holiday and that's okay and also what you can use is is that as an opportunity especially children a little bit older to talk to them about the fact that you are really busy and you've got lots on your job list and this sometimes makes you feel like this or makes you behave like this and be really truthful about it I remember my mother-in-law and I do love her dearly one saying to my wife and I when we had three children under five is what you need is to write down what you need and laminate it and then I could I would tick it off as I went along and it was a really helpful suggestion but not what we needed yeah. to hear at the time yeah Can't never going to I thought you should shove a laminate that's a whole different story it's accepting that there are challenges that will come around being an adult and organizing a holiday and I suppose you're dead right that some of that will leak out but mm-hmm. also you know what a holiday is, you know what a holiday means, the good bits and the stressful bits. For lots of children, they haven't got a concept of what a holiday is or what will happen. Mm -hmm. So the more we can articulate that in ways that they will understand, the more familiar they are with the exciting bits and the bits that are just practical, then the easier it might be when it comes to the actual event itself. Cool. I mean, another thing that we did do on more than one occasion was not to tell our children that we were going on holiday the following day. And mm-hmm. obviously that means a bit of covert prep once they've gone to bed. But they got so overexcited at the thought of a holiday or that we were going somewhere the following day. Mm-hmm. They didn't sleep. They didn't sleep or they were, you know, and it, then that adds a whole other level of stress. So we did talk about the fact that we were going on a holiday, sort of thing we might do when we were there, what, who we might see, what we might do. But we didn't say, 
two more sleeps till the holiday, one more sleep till the holiday. Yeah. Sometimes that can be really appropriate and really exciting, especially as children get older, they can mark a date. But when they're younger and they're a bit more fluid with time, mm-hmm. you can do yourself a disadvantage by saying how many more sleeps till the holiday because you're ramping up that kind of level of yeah. hysteria. Yeah. And if we're thinking about where they are developmentally and what we've said already about as an adult, you know what it means to go on holiday. If I'm a child and I'm not quite sure... And I can see that my mum and dad are a bit stressed and packing the case. And also they've talked about ice cream and, you know, seaside and all that kind of stuff. I've got this weird emotional roller coaster where I don't quite know what I'm going to. And there's two more days till it happens and everybody's getting a bit excited. When you're trying to process that at that age, it becomes a massive thing. So mm-hmm. trying to play it down yeah. and keep it as typical or as usual as possible just helps children to process that emotion. So when it comes to packing, it can be really good, depending on the age of your children, to give them some responsibility. So they can have a space in your case where you can ask them, you know, would they, what would they like to bring with them? And obviously try and restrict that. Otherwise, you will literally get the entire contents (laughs) of the bedroom in your case. As they get a little bit older, then they can have some responsibility for maybe packing a carry-on case or a case that they share between them and their siblings, if they've got any. And again, you've got to build that into the build-up to the holiday. So... I wouldn't necessarily be getting them to just pack the case the day before, or we Mm -hmm. might talk about the things like that special toy that need to go into the case if it's going in the case, because mine used to worry that it wouldn't be able to breathe in the case, so it had to have its head sticking out of the bag. Uh, But if it goes in at the last minute, obviously we'll put that in on the morning of. Mm -hmm. But you can start preparing the case, because that gives you loads of opportunities to talk again about how we're going to travel, what that's going to be like, what we might see. So you're normalising this holiday process so starting to pack a case quite early with a child is not necessarily a bad thing because you might worry that it gets them too overexcited because suddenly we're putting things in a case Mm -hmm. but actually gives opportunities to talk discuss and familiarize with what's going to be happening on this holiday that's all really interesting and actually we've got an article in the app haven't we called excited and nervous preparing for a holiday and it's a good read so yeah it's really good it covers Lots of what we just said and also has some more kind of hints and tips for what you can do and some practical things that you can get your children to do that just involve them in that holiday planning process. Mm-hmm. Thanks for getting in touch with your specific questions about travelling with children. And remember, if you ever want to ask a question about anything to do with children, we have a My First Five Years Facebook group and you can pop your questions on there. But let's start with babies on planes. <laughs> And again, I want to say you just get on the plane, your baby goes to sleep, but we've all been on that plane where there is the baby that doesn't sleep. And oh again, yeah, I've had the baby that doesn't sleep. Yeah, and yet spend your entire time literally walking up and down the aisle saying, sorry, 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 sorry. But of course there are lots of things that affect sleep with babies, partly you and how you are. And if you're flying with a, a little baby and you're anxious about the fact they will or won't sleep, that anxiety can leak out of you and into your baby. Routines are different. Smells are different. Mm-hmm. We know things like cabin pressure can affect babies' inner ears, which yep. causes discomfort. I had that one as well. Yeah, so there are lots and lots of elements that can affect your baby's ability to sleep. And I think all you can do is try and prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So making sure that you've got the things that you know your baby would require if they are not sleeping very well. So whether Mm -hmm. that be comforters, whether it's plenty of things in terms of nappy chain stuff. Also making sure you've packed extra, if you're not feeding, either express milk or milk powder. And I know that on planes there is no issue with cabin crew making that up for you, you Mm -hmm. making up a feed. So putting stuff in place that means that if your child does 
suffer discomfort or just is unsettled, you've got lots of things that you can use to try and get them settled. But primarily also it's about you as a parent accepting that loads of people on that plane will also have had children and will appreciate what you are going through. Mm-hmm. And you might get some annoying, judgmental person. You who, inevitably yeah, do, unfortunately. Who's going to you and raise their eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. But most people are sitting there thinking, oh, bless them. That's what yeah. I kind of think. Yep. Like, we've all been there. It's really, really hard. And sometimes I'm like, just pass me a baby, honestly. They are the dream. Yeah. yeah. I'm a really nice person. I've got three kids of my own. Just give me a baby. Just have two minutes. Yeah. Because you can almost feel that tangible stress that people have. Yeah. So again, I would say prepare for the worst and hope for the best, but it's not the end of the world. There's a bit of a thing that I've read and seen lots of examples of on social media recently where people travelling with babies do a few little packs to hand out to the passengers near them. I don't know, I've really mixed feelings about that because I think at the end of the day we shouldn't be apologising for travelling with our children. So whilst it's cute, it also panders to the fact that we are the problem on the plane. Exactly, and I think that it does tap into that kind of hidden undercurrent of apologising for having a baby Mm -hmm. and yet we've all got a right to public transport it's an aeroplane and yet okay there are other people who haven't got children who might want to have a bit of a snooze but we are on a public space it's not like it's a child free plane like Mm -hmm. you have a child free restaurant yeah but I do think for any parents listening most people are like Jenny and I and are thinking you know we our hearts go out to you and you're just a smile or you know you don't even need to apologize but just you know we recognize your pain yeah we really do I've got a couple of stories to share on this one one of them I guess is a bit of a tip I can't remember which one of my children it was but they were struggling with their ears on the way down to land so in my wisdom I decided to get a bottle of milk of of her baby milk for formula milk made up and she drank the whole eight ounces and then sick the whole thing up all over me. And when I say I was soaked through to my underwear with baby sick, I literally mean it. And when the air hostess came over to try and help, she just looked at me and went, just stay sat there. Let everybody else come off the plane and we'll sort you out after. I was an absolute mess. And then my other one, and this is so weird. I think the person that did this at the airport really mustn't have liked somebody that had gone into business class. We... We're travelling standard class to Paris and they upgraded us to business class for no reason. We didn't have a loyalty card, we didn't have anything. And, you had there was, children. and we had a baby. It was our first baby. Right. Why? And we were thrilled. We were like, oh, this is so exciting. We've been upgraded to business class. And she cried the entire oh, time. Yes. And everybody else in business class was like, this Literally is not acceptable. Them now. It, it was the worst <laughs> flight we've ever been on, even though it should have been a real buzz. But when I look back, it's like, why on earth did the upgraders? We never asked for an upgrade. They just did it. And yeah. I think they just did it out of a bit of badness to put a baby in there <laughs> to wind everybody else up. Maybe. I was just so relieved it was just a short flight. I think it was, I don't know how long it takes to get to Paris. It's not long, but no, it, it felt, felt like, like the forever. longest flight I have ever, ever been on. It was horrendous. And I guess whilst I've shared a story there about my disastrous attempt to help Mm -hmm. Olivia with her ears on landing, it actually is one of the things they suggest, I think, that to give them something to suck on or maybe to breastfeed, it can really help that sort of... um, Well, in the old days, you used to come around and give out boiled sweets, didn't it, as you were coming in to land? (laughs) Not that we suggest that for a baby. No, not for children, for adults. (laughs) But it was the sucking on the sweet that helps your inner ear. So yeah, if you need a baby to do that, it does work. Not always, not feel safe. Yeah, it didn't work for me. But it is one of the suggestions and one of the tips. 
Before we move on to the next question, have you got any other hints and tips for uh, travelling with a baby on a plane? With travelling with children, it's always that idea of planning ahead as much as you possibly can. Check in if there's anything your airline offers particularly, because you can get those kind of baby bassinet seats where you're able to kind of put your baby down to sleep. If you're traveling with things like prams, then you, you need to know where you're dropping them off and picking them up. Label everything so if it goes astray, you know it belongs to you. I mean, traveling with things like car seats and buggies is a whole extra level of luggage, but sometimes we just kind of need to do it. Think about timing, so checking in and checking out. And again, if you've only got one flight, you haven't really got a lot of choice. But if you have got some choice, think about when your baby normally naps or sleeps. Because if you've got a tired and niggly, ready-to-nap baby and you end up in a queue to get through security, mm-hmm. then, you know, there could be disaster ahead. If you can take your baby essentials all packed in one hand luggage bag, mm-hmm. uh, that means that it's small and it's to hand and you know that you've got it and that's something you're going to take with you on the plane as opposed to being in your luggage that's going to go into the hold. Yeah, and sometimes luggage does go astray as well, so just having those essential handy is not a bad thing. Yeah, and try doing things like changing a nappy just before you board or you can even get, now, you can get travel packs for babies, but you can get changing mats which fold up to be really tiny that mm-hmm. you can actually put into your hand luggage. Then if you need to do a change while you're in flight, you can actually do it on your knee rather than take them to that tiny toilet where well, it depends what you're changing them for. On your I knee. was going to say, so, yeah. it does depend. I have been on a plane where, yes. where a parent changed a really, really stinky nappy. Yeah. And, mm, so all I'm saying is I get it, it makes it possible it to change really on your knee. Smelly. <laughs> but it was really Maybe just for a wet one. <laughs> a wet what? That's the question. A wet nappy. <laughs> So yeah, I'm saying it's possible to change on your day, but use some common sense. Common sense yeah. Yes. Just on travel and sleep, our sleep expert Lauren wrote a piece for us on this as well. You can have a look at that within the app. It's called Have a Baby, Will Travel. Right, our next question is, why do babies and young children struggle to sleep sometimes when they're away? And what can we do to help? So we've covered this a little bit already, but it's sometimes about changing routine, but also that adrenaline release you get when you're somewhere new and it's exciting. So therefore it takes your body a little longer to kind of calm down because you're not in usual rhythms and routines. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it depends also how far you're traveling, because if you're moving through time zones, you will get jet lag and children do experience jet lag Mm -hmm. because it's how their circadian rhythm works. And so if you are moving faster than your body can keep up with those time changes, you're going to feel that lag. So if you are going very long distance, the kind of general rule is to try and keep to local time from as early as you possibly can, Mm -hmm. but expect there will be a period of adjustment which can last depending on how many time zones you've traveled through for two or three days. If you've got a child who is struggling to sleep, apart from trying to keep the routines really similar, is try and do things like try and keep them off screens if they are waking and they should be asleep. Mm-hmm. Try and do things that like reading stories, keeping it really calm, keeping it dark. Again, trying to persuade their body that it's calm and it's nighttime. If we are giving them screens where we've got blue light and they should really be asleep and then we're stimulating their brain, it's going to slow down that process mm-hmm. of getting back into that rhythm. And if you're going somewhere that's not through time zones, but is just new, again, like we mentioned before, taking things that are really familiar and having routines that are really familiar. So Mm -hmm. that same thing around, even though you're on holiday, 
especially at the beginning of the holiday, if you do the kind of bath followed by teeth, followed by story, followed by bed, keep that routine, even though you're on holiday and it all feels different and you can be a little bit more relaxed on holiday. If you're trying to get children back into their sleep rhythm, keep it as tight as you possibly can to what they're familiar with. And Mm -hmm. then once they're into that sleep pattern, then you can start to relax it a little bit. Now, given that we're all about realistic parenting, just a bit of a challenge back, I suppose. So we're on holiday. Are we really going to keep our routines the same? Because I think what I notice when I'm on holiday is that there's lots of children in buggies late at night, still awake, or maybe trying to be asleep in a buggy so that parents can still go out again. So, So whilst the idea of keeping the routine and going to bed, I just think often when you're on holiday it isn't that a child will be going to bed quite often they might be being put down in the pram or the buggy and then taken for a walk or for a meal or along the promenade I, I think on holiday you see a lot of very young children still awake very late at night and is that not the reality of most holidays well what you could argue is if you kept your sleep routine the same mm-hmm. then you wouldn't be seeing lots of children awake at different at, later into the night because what I'm saying is, yes, you're on holiday, you make that call as a parent. Mm-hmm. If you want to go out and have some dinner, you go out and have some dinner, do what you do. But kind of scientifically, biologically, if yep. you want your child to get back into a sleep rhythm as quickly as possible, then keep your routines as similar as you possibly can. If you choose not to or you can't, then your realistic expectation is it's going to take longer for them to get into that sleep pattern. They might be a little bit more grouchy. They might want to nap during the day. You might get more disturbed sleep. But it's that kind of realistic parenting payoff, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. You think, yeah. well, I had a really nice night out. We did something we never would have done before. We went and saw whatever we saw. And now they're a bit grouchy in the middle of the day. I'll yeah. take that payoff. I'll take that because we're on holiday. Yeah. And at least but we're it, not having to get up for work yeah, in the morning. <laughs> if you want them back in their sleep routine, stick to your usual routines. Okay, so there's the developmentally appropriate answer and there's what you're most likely to do answer. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on what sort of parent you are, yes. <laughs> no judgment from you whatsoever. <laughs> None at all. <laughs> this next question, I think, is one that many of us will have experienced several times already, which is long car journeys with young children. So come on, give us your wisdom. Well, again, we've got to be realistic in that, you know, sometimes we've had long car journeys with our boys where they slept and it was just bliss and we were like we are the best parents in the world <laughs> I remember one car journey where our eldest sicked fish pie about half an hour into the journey fabulous up to scotland and we obviously stopped pulled over changed him but it had gone into the car seat down all the cracks in the corner just what you need a bit yeah, of fish pie yeah. to go off and smell and we delightful were in for weeks for 10 days and we couldn't do anything other than we tried baby wipes to go anyway to want to put listeners off but yeah that was a horrendous journey where he obviously had an upset stomach he cried he was sick we couldn't sue them so there are things that you can't foresee that will happen when you're traveling with children but there are practical things you can do around you know timing your journey if you can so i know sometimes we would leave ridiculously early in the morning not only to miss the traffic because the other thing that can happen is you get stuck in unexpected traffic once coming back to devon five hours in a traffic jam Mm -hmm. we were prepared for maybe two hours what we weren't prepared for was five hours especially we had toddlers then so it was wheeze at the side of the road then also (laughs) you need a wee at the side of the road oh dear me it was horrendous so I mean, you can have an emergency kit in your car, which has got water in it. And depending on how old your children are, you might put a couple of books in there that they haven't seen. Sticker books, colouring books, depending. You've got those annoying CDs, if you have them now or download onto your iPhone or whatever phone model you have. Um, Those 
really annoying albums that children like to listen to. <laughs> you may choose to have those kind of uh, screens available in your car. And again, now you can charge your screens and we've got a whole other discussion and in-app information about screens and screen uses, usage. But on a long car journey or in an emergency, I think it's you know, a great thing to do. Always good to have snacks packed as emergency snacks, so things that will last, as well as if you are going on a journey, to take plenty of snacks with you. Avoid packing the really high sugar content. I was just snacks. about to suggest should we go sugary or not? Yeah, because you know it can only lead to one destination. <laughs> they can, can't they? You know, the road to hell, literally <laughs> via a sugary snack. So I think good thing about snacking is uh, little and often, and try mm-hmm. and avoid high sugar. And similarly with drinks, I think with my boys, if they had the opportunity to drink and they knew there were whatever drink you'd packed in the car, they would just constantly say, can I have another or have we got? Yeah. So a really good tip is to have um, lots of smaller drinks. Again, depends on how much space you've got, unless you're decanting from a larger vessel. But if you give them lots of small drinks as opposed to one big drink, it means they're less likely to need that wee... At the really most inconvenient time. time. Yeah. I mean, for us as well, we had a wee bottle because we had three boys. Well, I have three girls, so that was never an option. No, going to the realms of she-wees, but probably not for children. Not for children. um, We did have a... You can tell you've not had children. Wee bottle, if you've got boys, was when we were... Surely was also a disaster. I can imagine it it went everywhere. Amazingly useful. Well, you have to, you know, if they're not good on their aim, then you do a little (laughs) bit of support. Um, I did once have a parents chat to me about they used to have a bucket so like a well, bucket and spade exactly. bucket yeah we surely a bucket. hole um and what she did was they weed in the bucket in the traffic jam the traffic pulled away but all the windows were down and she threw it out of the front window and it came back in the back window and over the kids who'd weed in the bucket <laughs> <laughs> so if you are gonna have a wee bucket be careful of how you dispose of the wee and the benefit of a bottle is you can put the lid back on and yeah. then dispose of it obviously you need everything like your, your sanitizing wipes your hand gel all of those sort of things to help you keep clean and sanitary but yeah i mean toilet stops are and, and feeling sick are two of the main things if you are stuck on the motorway somewhere and there isn't a service station yeah. and they desperately need to go to the toilet yeah you've got to have some sort of contingency plan about what you can do it is just the reality of traveling the whole wee poo thing is the big thing that you need to plan in and Absolutely. actually it's impossible to plan for and as parents you find yourself doing things that you never thought you would do you really do well I think as well building in time your journey is going to take longer because you are going to need regular stops yeah but again I've got of course a blooming story of where it went wrong <laughs> we were we were on a, a camping trip in France and we were traveling back from the Dodogne, which is right in the middle of France to get the ferry home we completely underestimated how long the journey would take and for the last half of the journey we realized that we were not going to be stopping anywhere we had a child with us that was still in nappies and we had a massive quandary because we changed the last opportunity to change the nappy and we still had about five four or five hours to go and um it was like we can't stop because we're going to miss the ferry do we take the child out while moving change the nappy no we decided that wasn't safe so this poor child by the time we got to the ferry had the biggest wettest nappy you've ever seen in your life it was just an absolute traveling disaster not to be repeated no and just heaps a bit more parental guilt onto your already huge pile of parental guilt you (laughs) think you're taking these children on holiday for these wonderful experiences that are going to make them amazing adults Mm. Mm. and instead you just give the nappy rash (laughs) exactly so i think you can 
you know, pack your emergency bag in terms... This emergency bag now has got snacks in it, it's got screens in it, it's got nappies it's in it. It's taking up the whole of the boots. Bottles. Yeah, these so, are great tips, these. Yeah, well, literally, you know, if you, when you have children, you do end up driving around and sometimes it becomes kind of articulated lorry with all your stuff in the back. Um, check your accommodation if you're going to accommodation, as in check-in time. So we've had it before where we've arrived ridiculously early and we can't get in because yep. you can't get in until two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And then we, we did it once where we put them all in their pyjamas and left really early, got to where we were going really <laughs> early. All the clothes were in the boots. We're all in our pyjamas while we went. The kids were, couldn't get into our accommodation. So we've got pictures of us in a some park somewhere with <laughs> our PJs. kids running feral in their pyjamas. Great. You know, so that kind of thing about when can I get in, it's really good for children to travel in things they're comfortable in. So Yeah, that's a really good news, tip to be fair, yeah. Take pillows in the car if yep. you've got space. And don't forget, hopefully, you're going to go somewhere, even in the UK, where it's going to be sunny. And long Do you tra- live in the UK, Alistair? Yeah, well, no, there are, it's there always are sunny days, not I Manchester. It's always on a UK holiday. But um, there are, on long journeys, you in a hot car, when uh-huh. the sun's coming in. So yeah. I know loads of you already have sunshades, but the idea of taking something that keeps the back of the car cool and shades from the sun. Mm-hmm. And then there are so many car games that you can find on the internet download we've got some examples in the app taking a little bank of car games that you don't require a lot of equipment mm-hmm. that you can play by looking out of the window lotto bingo counting I colors i spy all the classics yep. as well as the good old family sing-along uh, all of those things you can use to break up the journey and make it into something that's a little bit exciting and say in a little while we're going to do this and even if it's a little bit dull you can make it sound really exciting just try and break up the journey with things that they can engage with they're going to enjoy doing my dad's favorite story of me as a i must have been a toddler because i was crawling still or an older baby but um they went to cornwall so it was hours and hours of a journey in the car, in the car. did they have cars Shush, I'm not that old. You're so rude. (laughs) But the rules were very different, clearly, because what they did, it was an estate car, and they put me in the boot, (laughs) and I was allowed to, they put some blankets down so it was comfortable, but I was allowed to crawl around for the entire journey, and they recount this story of the fact that there was a fly in the car, which would usually have driven them insane, but I spent hours trying to crawl after this fly and catch the fly, and it kept me entertained for the entire journey. How times have changed. Times have very much changed. (laughs) You mentioned some um, ideas of games to play in the car. Maybe you can give us your top five hacks for games to play and beat the boredom. Now, I'm sure you as listeners will have loads of really good examples of these. And if you want to send them in and share them, that would be great. Uh, But I think one really good one is an action rhyme. So something like head, shoulders, knees and toes, because you can sing it, you can do it, you can do it sitting down. Don't you be standing up. Two, what animals can you see? And again, well, it depends where you're travelling, because if you are literally off down the M6, you're not like to see very many animals. No, you, maybe the, you yeah. just count the cows then, rather than see how exactly. many different things you can see. So what mm, can you see is a really good one. And also you can do what can you see out of the front, what can you see out of the back, what can you see out of the side, so you can mix it up a little bit. 
three, classic I spy with my little eye, something beginning with, or I spy something that's the colour of, or I spy something that rhymes with. So there's lots of different ways you can mix lots up I spy, depending on where your child's language development is. Mm-hmm. Number four, keeping tallies of things. So how many of these can you see? So it can be red cars, blue cars, yellow cars. We don't get very many yellow cars uh, around. How many sheep have you seen? How many bridges have we seen? So we can keep a tally and count. And five, let's make up a funny story. So either each person takes a turn where you do one sentence each and you add on a funny story mm-hmm. or somebody in the car takes a turn to make up a funny story, usually about somebody else in the car, usually in our <laughs> car, about me. Yep, why not? I think, Alistair, with some of those anecdotes we've shared, we've probably put everybody <laughs> off and yes. they're probably all going to cancel the holidays as we speak. Um I genuinely do think it's worth it for the memories, though. I think holidays are a mixed blessing. They're, you know, lots of prep. They can be a little bit stressful, but I know I look back on many of them with really fond memories. It's worth the drama. Yeah, even the horror stories are funny now. Well, most of them. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not at the time, but now, yeah. Thank you for listening. And do get in touch if you've got any questions for us or if there's something that you would like us to talk about on this podcast. You can post questions on our Facebook community or on Instagram and you'll find us at My First Five Years with the five written out. And we love it when you do that. It gives us a chance to respond and answer. And if you want more tips around travelling with your children, then you can download the My First Five Years app from the App Store. You can also get this podcast direct to your feed by pressing the follow button on your Apple Podcasts app or wherever you get your podcasts. Just press follow. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time when we're talking about alternatives to say no to your children. Yes, intriguing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. See you then.